Hello and welcome to Insured Solutions Drive Time Discussion. I'm your host, Daniel Ochoa, and once again, we brought back Steve Petty. Steve, thank you for coming back. Thank you, Daniel. Steve, we've been talking a lot about uh, workers' compensation. You've been doing a great job educating us. Uh, I just have one uh, last question about the workers' compensation. Uh, what about safety when it comes to workers' compensation? Excellent question, and this is typically what comes up. If we can reflect back on the discussions we've had, we're going to notice that safety is at the back end of this. It's not the front end of this. And this is because workers' comp is 95% legality and 5% reality. Safety is reality. It is important, but it's also operationally specific when you get down to the real nuts and bolts of it. The problem most employers have with safety is safety as it's known through the regulatory process, which is defined by OSHA, and in California's case, Cal OSHA. It is so complicated and so detailed, it's thousands of pages of regulations and procedures that normal employees in the workforce, they just aren't interested in the complexity of it. They can't follow it all. They can't address all of it. But safety as a subject can never be impugned because it matters. Ultimately, that's the goal is safety. Whether we go about it through assigning a barrage of regulatory actions or whether we go about it through preventing things in the front that in fact hire better people, train better people, keep people back in the workforce instead of letting them sit home and collect for doing nothing and we affect behavior so the fences are drawn in and they become much more attuned to what the employer is seeking in a culture, then safety can be simplified because, it, this, because the volume of safety doesn't apply to every company the same way. The only two safety regulations I'm aware of that apply to every single employer no matter where they are. They are hazard communication and bloodborne pathogens. There are different stages of this depending on the degree of exposure, and there are different ways to do training. It doesn't have to be lecture-like. It can be through some printed materials, through some PowerPoints. It can be through lectures. It can be through discussion. It can be through taking a test, a competency test to document it. But aside from those two standard ones, all other companies are pretty much uh, relegated to the ones that apply to them, and the main focus always must be catastrophic loss. Whatever regulation affects catastrophic loss should be dealt with to the nth degree. Remembering safety is a behavior point. It is about behavior. If there are policies and training and documentation that an employee has been shown and instructed properly to the regulatory side of safe fall protection again, and they violate that, the employer has a position to make with the feds anyway, and with the carrier to some degree, that it was willful employee misconduct, which is a great defense but they've got to be able to document that they've provided it and that it's relevant. And when you have a catastrophic loss, those are the ones that will do major, major damage for a long time. And besides, you, no employer wants an employee to go through that. So we get back to enforcement, the progressive discipline policy. If employers are going to enforce anything, they should enforce realistic safety. The philosophy we have on safety is the simple gets done, the complicated does not. You've got to keep it simple, but you've got to have meaning with it. Right. And that's the point to safety when you get right down to the various elements of it. There are different ones. The regs are extensive. Uh, some programs provide extensive on-site loss control and training, and that's wonderful. But again, sometimes it is a lot that, that goes beyond the norm, beyond what is realistically going to affect, because one thing we got to uh, that employers probably know instinctively, but they haven't thought about, is OSHA addresses the recommendations and they believe they have the cure-all for everything. And if you're a huge company and you have the resources and the people to deal with it, well, probably so to some degree. But OSHA doesn't pay claims. 
The difference is carriers who pay work comp and handle claims, they don't hold a gun to your head and make you do it. It's voluntary, whereas safety and regulations are mandatory under penalty of law, under imprisonment. It's a big difference in the whole philosophy of both. And you need a little bit of both. You don't need any one or the other. You need a good balance, and safety needs to be realistic. And with realistic safety and meaning, and everyone knows you mean it and you enforce it because you're obligated by law to do so, whether the employees like it or not, fine. Uh, let's talk about uh, reporting a claim. You know, because I know that that's a very scary thing and it's very difficult. Uh, can you kind of sure. teach us a little bit on making that smoother? Sure. Let's talk about that because that is the first mistake that's often made. Reporting a claim has time statutes to it. It's done in a systematic way for a reason. And until a claim is reported, it's, it's often open-ended, meaning it has no real statute of expiration where it can run out. It varies between the states, the system, the carrier definition, and then the courts and judges. Ultimately, when you have litigation, they will dictate what is and what's not acceptable. So let's define reporting as the date the employee notifies the employer and the date the employer knew of the complaint or injury. It doesn't have to be an injury. It can be a complaint that's sufficient to be right. reported. And the date the employer notifies the carrier so it can have a claim number assigned, go in the system, and then the state becomes the friend of the employer because they have a record. Until then, it's floating around in the ether with, not, with nothing definite. And when that happens, the employer loses. Every single time they lose. There is no way to win. So it benefits the employer to report it. To report it. They often don't think that because why? Because the mod kicks in, their premium kicks in, they've got a high mod, many of them have a high mod over one when they should be down around 0.75 or 0.8 if they were clever about what they were doing, but they, tr but what they do what we call majoring in minors. They worry about the little ding instead of the hit upside the head with a two by four. And then the two by four is what they got to look for. The way the system is set up, it, it charges back employers. The, it varies from year to It typically goes up on a medical side where employers have very limited impact or control to the first 17, 18, 19,000 is typically a payback scenario versus indemnity, which is the return to work side, the lost wage side. And that's where it's 104 weeks. And the employers all pay this back times three minimum. So what looks like it's $10 an hour cost now becomes $30 an hour cost because the way the formula works and the delayed process is kind of like a loan over three years and that's what you end up paying back. So the employers have got to be careful to not let things get out of line in reporting and notification because this sets the state to have the claim uh, expand in cost. If it takes more than 72 hours from the date the employer knew of an injury or a complaint of pain and the date the carrier knows, the cost typically goes up 40% on that wow. claim. If most states, if it takes more than seven days to turn a claim in to the carrier from the date the employer knew, employer, not the employee, because that's a whole other set of rules they've got. Mm -hmm. They have no obligation technically and legally, which is why the behavior side is so important. Now, let me if, ask if you more that. than a week, let me just add, if it takes more than a week, then all, all control of medical, medical is typically waived. It's gone. Now you have no way to manage it all. The employer is at a loss. The carrier now is basically letting the employee run the show or the state runs the show and they take over. 
So there's so many tentacles that flow out of reporting and getting it in the record and getting it on the record, followed by an investigation to document what's going on. Because if you want to get the truth, you got to get it quick and you get it on paper. If you don't have paper, you have nothing, zero. If an employee wants to say, well, I think I'm okay, go back to work, that it sounds fine, it's innocuous at the moment, but a, a, a week or two or a month from now, now all of a sudden it's become a problem and all the statutes have been violated because it was never turned in. The employee was never asked if they wanted to see a doctor. They were never given the notification. The employers don't take the time. Small, small employers struggle more with that. They don't have the resources, which is the subject unto itself. Right. So it's just imperative that any notification of the employer that, a, that a, someone is has been injured or is experiencing pain, whatever it is, blood or non-blood, they need to document it. It can go in as an IRO, incident report only, MO, medical only, so it goes in, it stays on the loss run, it stays on the record for 90 days for activity and bills to come in. If nothing happens and it goes dormant, it drops off, no damage. Employers tend to want to protect the mod and they worry about the wrong things as their mod continues to escalate. If they get everything right and line it up, uh, realizing you can't beat the system. It's too big, it's too enormous, it's too powerful, it controls everything, and to think you're gonna beat it, beat it by dodging and not reporting and paying the doctors under the table, that happens sometimes, we just don't wanna report it. Then when it goes litigation, it's all blown out of the water and there's anything you can do, you've broken every law there is and now you've got nothing but a headache with nobody, with no ability to stop it. So much of the time, employers are their own worst enemy. It's not disparaging, but they don't know. Right. No one is explaining how it really works. And it's a process. It's a step-by-step -step process for the cure. So okay. I hope we touched on some of it, because there, there are many nuances no, to that. No, 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 I think, I think that was a great <clears throat> answer. Uh, let me ask you this. What is the responsibility of the agent during that claim? Not really any. Not any? Okay. Yeah, a lot of agents try to be helpful, and they are helpful, and they do promote, and they do provide some services, and they do encourage and if the client will call. But many times agents are not that overly involved in work comp when they have their, their regular insurance training, and you were an agent, I believe, yes. you were in insurance. How much time was actually spent on work comp? Maybe half an hour? Yeah. Not much. Well, it takes more than that to get the nuances of what's going on and to get it right for the benefit of the client. And the clients really don't blame the agent. Agents are very good at triangulation, which is what clients need to get when it comes to claims. They need to become better at it. And when they are, they will change some of the workforce dynamics if they learn to be very, very good at triangulation. So I don't, I don't fault agents in particular, never have, never will, don't see any point in it. That's because their sales is hard enough, much less having to totally understand comp. But like we mentioned at the outset, the problem is nobody understands it because nobody has really got a big picture of it. The carriers don't care. That's why the rates are what they are, and the rates go up and down, and the rates will go up. Sometimes they'll come down. Experience, the modifier, all of that plays into an account. And an account is typically the employers just out there floating around, and they don't really have anybody giving them any guidance. They have no, they have no rudder on what they're doing. With work comp, it's a boring subject. Nobody wants to deal with it. They try to short circuit it. Some of them monitor the, the outflow and premium and the ingo and benefits, and they're very conscious of that. Uh, 
there's just there's a game being played by everybody on the subject, but it's forced. It's not voluntary. Many employers would not even have it if they didn't have to have it. But the law right. forces them to, and that takes out the voluntary competitive forces. Now it becomes a wholly different ball game when it's forced on employers to have it. So anyway, okay. I hope that helps. Steve, I want to thank you once again for coming on and teaching us the importance of how to report a claim and why it's important. Not only were our viewers educated, but I feel like I was very educated. So thank you very much. Thank you much for having me, Daniel. No problem.